I, I think Oprah's terrific. I'm just going to say this. She, she's a wonderful role model. She's incredibly talented. And she does some amazing things around the world. So please hear me. I am not bashing Oprah. However, these statements, um, there, there is something fundamentally flawed in my view of these statements. And it shouldn't surprise any of us. She, if she's not a follower of Jesus, then she's going to have a, a different hierarchy of things she thinks are important than, than we do as followers of Christ. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it's, it's a natural hierarchy. If you don't believe in Christ, then you don't honor him first. You're going to find something else to honor first. And as far as I understand it, Oprah has sort of a, um, a different, you know, hodgepodge soup of spirituality that she draws from. Um, and she's got some great things in there. To me, I, I think she's got some not so great things in there. Um, so um, anyway, naturally, she, she's, she's going to end up somewhere different than we do. And I, she ends up, I think, where many people end up when they try to have a hodgepodge of spirituality. And she ends up essentially on self. Okay? The highest thing is self. You see what I mean? Now, I don't bring this up again to bash Oprah. I think she's very cool. But I, we need to be extremely aware of this. And I know Pastor Joshua talked a bit about this, but I feel like there is so much cultural emphasis on self today that it can be very easy to allow that to bleed into our faith and actually rise to the surface. And this is what we have to be so aware of, is that we're surrounded by a culture. There's some wonderful things in our culture, and there's some messed up things in our culture. And it sounds so good. It sounds so, yeah, like we just want to, yeah, that's so good. And in the midst of nodding our heads, we don't realize the other things we're injecting in us. So, humanism, this is, my, this is my concern. Humanism says this, the end of all being, the purpose of man is the happiness of man. The end of all being, the goal is that man would just be happy. Does this sound familiar in what we hear from our culture? Think about the advertisements that we have today. I mean, this, is just, this just bombards us. You turn on the TV. Everything's about the new thing that I need to be happy. I didn't know I needed that. Well, now I know. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I need it, and I, my friends have it. I don't want to be left behind. And some of them, it's just sick. You'll see, like, you know, cell phone commercials, and the guy who's got a cell phone from a couple years old, you know, a couple years ago, and everyone's looking at him like, ah, loser. What's wrong with you? Oh, my goodness. His text came in three seconds after ours did. <laughs> well, I guess I better not be that guy then. I guess I need that phone so I can be happy and laugh at somebody else. Okay? This is the world we live in. It's humanistic. What we really need is to be happy. That's the goal of our existence. This is the world that surrounds us, and we have to be aware that it surrounds us. You see, this is different. This is different than the gospel. Humanism is all about my fulfillment, my happiness, my dreams, my passions. It's about mine. The gospel says this. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Do you see why these are fundamentally different? One 
honors self above all. The other honors God above all. Our chief end is to glorify him, not ourselves. And if you supplant yourself in that place, then you're making yourself into a god. You know what that is? That's called delusion. You are wonderfully important, friends, but you're not that important. You're not big enough to be God. I'm sorry. And you know, you don't want to be there. You just, you just don't. There's only one who belongs there. Fundamental difference. Uh, this past week, there was a, a, <laughs> a smart and uh, funny man named Drew Dick, who is the uh, uh, managing editor of Leadership Journal. And he had seen these Oprah sleeves. And this is why I bring them back up, because he did something that made me give a big fist pump. I was excited. He decided, he was looking at these, and he's just shaking his head. And he goes, you know what we really need? We don't just need to tear these up or, you know, make it. What, what, all they need is a little editing. That's all. They just need a little editing for theological purposes. So here's what he says. Follow your passion. It will lead to your ruin if that's all you follow. Come on! <laughs> the only courage you ever need is the courage to sacrifice the life you want. That's Bible right there, isn't it? If this is what it means to be a Christian. It does not mean, oh, you know what? The only courage you need is to go after the things you really want. That's not what Jesus says. <laughs> he says, lay down your life and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Do what I did. Lay yourself down and come. That is the gospel. He goes on. A couple more because these are great. <laughs> be more humble. Be more ordinary. <laughs> Use every moment to empty yourself. Isn't that good? It's great. Your life is small. Keep serving. <laughs> know God sparks the light in you. Then use that light to illumine the world. Not, not know the random thing and light yourself with the thing that just makes you go, ah. No, know God is the spark. Do you see the fundamental difference Romans 1 says this, even though they knew God, they did not honor him. The rest goes on and describes all these ways that they ended up in ruin. You read the rest of the chapter, and it's a laundry list of, of evil that they got into. But here's the point. They knew God, and they did not honor him. And I've been thinking about that part of this verse. I'm thinking, what a tragedy to know God, to know who he is, to know his greatness, and still not honor him for being that. And this is why humanism to me is such a concern because you can know all kinds of things about him but if you don't honor him and put him at the highest place if you put your own dreams at the highest place well then you're doing just that you're not actually honoring him and this is what where so many of us can get caught up well, we think that God is terrific we really like God he's got some great things to say so what are we going to do we're going to follow our hearts and we're going to put him in the hodgepodge of motivations that are in our life and the hodgepodge of things we really like, you know. We've got our hobbies and our comforts and we've got, you know, we, we like our friends and our family and we like our dog and we like our trees and we love the environment and we love everything and we like God too when all these things are in here and that's where we can end up. Him not at the highest place. We can supplant him with the things that really make us tick. Do you see what I'm saying? 
want to tell you about this man, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was first a general of Babylon, and he was pretty good at it. Well, he was really good at it. There was a power in the world that had been uh, unmatched for uh, over a century, and that power was Assyria. And Assyria was huge and mighty and extremely cruel, and Nebuchadnezzar takes control of the uh, Babylonian armies, and he starts to, piece by piece, go and dismantle the Assyrian Empire. And eventually, he takes control, and he becomes the, the king. He becomes the emperor of Babylon. Now, this guy was accomplished. He did lots of cool stuff. First, he had a really interesting name. He built the Hanging Gardens, according to tradition. His wife, well, he really liked his wife, so he said, I'm going to do something nice for you. I'm going to make you flowers in the sky. So he built these things. They call the Hanging Gardens. They're some of the ancient wonders of the world. Sort of a pyramid, like a garden pyramid. You go up, and it just got beautiful and lush. And from a long ways away, you would see these plants, like, hanging down in the sky. And it was this thing nobody had ever seen before. He was an architect. He wasn't just a general. He was an architect and an innovator. This is Alexander the Great and Steve Jobs. <laughs> he's, you see, so he's doing amazing things. People are like talking about and like, man, did you see the latest issue of Nebu Unlimited? Yeah, it's great. They're finding out all about his, you know, recent cool ideas and his, his cool stuff he's doing. He's doing different things than they had done in empires before. Assyria, when they conquered people, they would just go ahead and kill them or enslave them and then like, you know, Put, pack their heads on, put their heads on pikes all around the city. That's the kind of thing. They, he took a different tact. He was cruel, but he said, you know what we should do? We should actually take their smart and talented people and incorporate them so that we can become greater. <laughs> so innovative thinking. Hey, that's a good idea because those barbarians actually have some pretty smart people. So he was innovative even in the way that he built his kingdom. Um, and it was somehow less inhumane, if that's possible. But um, so he, he, he does that very thing. He brings people in, and uh, some of them we start to recognize. One of them was named Daniel. Here was the extent of the Babylonian Empire around the time of Nebuchadnezzar. As you can see, it stretched uh, a huge area. And you see where Jerusalem is uh, down there on, on the left. is a, is a little tiny area, Jerusalem and Judea. So when he came in and demolished Jerusalem, it was total, complete devastation. And if that wasn't bad enough, he hauled away all these smart people that he wanted to incorporate in his empire, and they marched 600 miles to that crescent, and they came to Babylon, and he, he put them to work. So, he was a mighty man. He was a man of many accomplishments. And uh, he had a couple of run-ins here with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they both happened through, through Daniel early on. I'll tell you both stories. It'd be familiar probably. The first one is he had a dream. He had a dream where he saw the statue, the one on the left, and it freaked him out. It had all these different pieces, and it just, he just he couldn't sleep. He was just utterly disturbed by this thing and depressed. And he called in his wise men, and he goes, tell me the interpretation to my dream. And they're like, okay, sir, calm down. Where's this Prozac? What's going on? Okay, sir, cool, we got it. Just tell us the dream. He goes, no, if you're so wise, you should tell me my dream. Then I'll know that your interpretation's right. And they're looking at each other going, um, <clears throat> I'm feeling kind of sick. 
they're just, they're freaking out. And then he gets angry, and he threatens to kill them unless they, unless they tell him what his dream was. You'll be torn limb from limb. I think that was sort of his catchphrase because he uses it several times. You'll be torn limb from limb unless you tell me. So the wise men, his, his, you know, his psychic network here is uh, not able to, to tell him the dream, and they're you know, freaking out. They're probably making secret escape plans. Word gets around to this new import named Dan. Dan hears about it. He's a young guy. He's recently graduated from Babylon Academy, and he's, he's smart, and he knows the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when he hears about the king's dream and hears about the king's threat, he goes in to the king's secretary, and he makes an appointment. He says, hi, Flo. Does the king have any openings today? She looks up, not today, but maybe tomorrow. How long? 15 minutes. Give it to me. 15 minutes. Okay, because I'm coming. Flo, I'm coming. Huh? All right, don't forget I was here. Daniel. Daniel. D-A, you got it? Okay. He goes back and he tells his three buddies. He goes, guys, I'm going to come in tomorrow and I'm going to go talk to the king and I'm going to tell him his interpretation. They go, that's great. You've got the interpretation. You know what the dream is? He goes, no, I got nothing. (laughs) You got to love Dan. He makes the appointment before he gets the interpretation. So like, yeah, we should probably pray, huh? We should probably pray. And they fall on their faces, and they cry out to the Lord saying, Lord, we're kind of in trouble. So we kind of need you to come through. And Daniel gets the, the interpretation. He gets the picture of the dream and the download that very night. And the next day, he goes into the king's office, and he tells him, he goes, this was your dream. You saw the statue, head of gold, arms of silver, thighs of bronze, etc. You see all of these things and you see a little rock falls down from the mountain, and, and it, it, the whole thing blows up. That's what you saw, and the king's eyes are huge. Nebuchadnezzar had never seen something this specific before. And Daniel goes on and tells him, he goes, well, each one of these represents an empire, king. Yeah, you're great right now. You've got this huge empire, and that's awesome. But there's another one that's going to come. It's going to have two different arms. And, and that is going to supplant you, and there's going to be another one. There's going to be another one. And all these world empires are going to come but there's going to be one that comes down and fills the entire earth. And the king says, wow. Wow, 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 you're good. And he jumps up and he he says this. King uh, Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face, paid homage to Daniel, and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up for him. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly, Your God is God of gods and Lord of kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you've been able to reveal this mystery to me. And then he puts Daniel in the super high position because he's seen what his God can do. That's the first instance. The second is this, and it also involved a statue. And I wonder what this man might have been thinking. Maybe he interpreted that first dream and thinking, well, then I'm the head of the statue, so maybe I should make myself a bigger statue. I don't know what he was thinking, but he gets all kinds of gold, <laughs> and he, he has his best artisans make this fairly large statue, 90 feet, give or take. 90 feet! Now, here's the funny thing. It was only nine feet wide, they said. So you imagine a man 10 times as tall as he is. <laughs> I don't know what he's thinking. Like, uh, wouldn't this be better if it was about 40 feet? No! Taller! 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 Okay. 
It's going to look a little funny. I'm just telling you. It's going to look a little funny. All right. So they make this statue, and then he commands all his leaders to come and bow down before the statue. This is me. Bow down. And they bow down. Sing the bunny song. Um, <laughs> and so they bow down, and there's three guys who refuse to bow down. Three guys. And he decides, he, he warns them, if you don't bow down, you're getting thrown into the furnace, and you know the story. They get thrown into the furnace, these three guys. They utterly refuse to retract their, uh, uh, their rebellion against him. He throws them into the fire, and he looks in the fire, and he sees not three men but four. And finally he goes, get him out of there, get him out of there, get him out of there. And this is what he says. He says, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servant to put their trust in him, violating the king's command and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall what? Be torn limb from limb, of course, because that's his catchphrase. Uh, and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way to prosper in the province of Babylon. Now, forget the decree and whether or not that was wise or good. He wasn't a wise or good man, so we shouldn't expect that he's going to have a loving decree here. What he says is this. I know that their God is, <laughs> he's like no other. He did something spectacular. I see it. You with me? Two incidences. It's interesting how he's 90 feet tall, the statue, and it's still not tall enough. He says, kneel. In other words, get lower. Get lower. Lower yourself more. Lower yourself more so that he is, I mean, that, isn't that the reason why people bow before, well, they bow for a couple reasons. You bow to show, first of all, I'm not going anywhere. That's why in the cop shows, when a cop comes in, the bad guy's there, he goes, on your knees, you know? On your knees so that you can't just get up and run. I mean, it's going to take you a while. It's going to be awkward, and I can jump and throw an elbow on you if you try. So you kneel for that reason, and you also kneel so that the person you're kneeling to can be the highest in the room. And here he has a statue 90 feet tall, and it's not good enough for him. Get lower. Make the separation even bigger because I belong up there. Can you believe that? Incredible. But he's humbled. He sees what God does. Less known dream comes after this, Daniel chapter 4. He sees, Nebuchadnezzar once again falls asleep. He sees a picture of a tree, a really massive, massive tree. The whole world can see it, and it has all kinds of fruit coming, from, like different kinds of fruit. It's got peaches, it's got your, your apples, and it's got extra stuff. It's, it's got watermelons, and it's got uh, steak coming down. It's got, like, got bratwurst coming. I mean, this is an awesome tree. It's pretty much whatever you need. And so he's sitting under there going, this kind of rocks, man. This is great. I've got this amazing tree. Everyone in the whole world can see it. And it's my tree. It's the tree of Nebuchadnezzar. And he's in this tree, and he's, he, in this dream, he sees this tree, and it's so, so beautiful and glorious. And then it says a watcher comes down from heaven. <laughs> and the watcher says this. Cut it down. Cut it down. But this is my tree. This is my special tree. This is my Nebuchadnezzar tree. And the tree gets cut down. 
oh, this is an unfortunate dream. He's suddenly all upset. I mean, the beasts of the field found shade under this tree. The birds of the sky dwelt in its branches. Living creatures fed themselves from it. And he says this, I was looking in the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed, and behold, the watcher came down. Uh, he says, chop the tree down, cut its branches, strip off the foliage, shatter its fruit, destroy the tree. What? Yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field, and let him be drenched with dew of heaven and let him share with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man. Let a beast's mind be given to him. Let seven periods of time pass over him. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers and the decision is the command of the holy ones. He's freaked out by this dream. He doesn't know what to do. What does he do? He calls his psychic hotline again. I don't know why. He didn't just like Maybe I should go straight to Dan, but he didn't. He gets all upset, same kind of scenario. Finally, Daniel comes in there and goes, all right, let me tell you what the dream was, and then I'll tell you what, oh, should we just go straight to it? Okay, here's this tree, boom, 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 describes the whole thing, and he says, and O oh, king, I wish, actually, I think this time Nebuchadnezzar just told him. Anyway, he says, O oh, king, I wish that someone else had had this dream and, and not you, oh, your majesty. Um, but he goes, here's what it means. Um, <laughs> it means that you're really proud, dude, and... Um, the Lord's going to humble you in a big way. Like, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be cut down. And for seven periods of time, you're going you're gonna to wander like the beasts of the field. All this grandeur that you have is going up. And I'm, I, that's just what it is. I suggest that you turn. I suggest you humble yourself. I suggest that you, suggest you get lower and you exalt others. And he even mentions the poor, giving mercy to the poor, things like this. Lower yourself. Let others come up. Nebuchadnezzar did none of that. And he forgets about it over time, and he's walking on his wall one day, and he's like, wow, I'm pretty awesome, aren't I? I think I'm kind of like a big, tall tree. And just then he hears a voice come from heaven that echoes his dream and says, you're going to be cut down, O tree. And suddenly, he loses his mind. Seven periods of time, some take that to mean seven years, some take seven months, whatever it was, an extended period of time when the, 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 you know, his, his press secretary is covering for him, his entire cabinet's like, yeah, he's, uh, he's on vacation <laughs> as he's roaming the fields. And, and after a time, his mind comes back to him. This is what he looks like. This is an actual photograph of Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> actual photograph. At the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, this is interesting, by the way, Nebuchadnezzar writes the fourth chapter of Daniel. Fascinating. I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the time, my reason returned to me. And my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. My counselors, my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven for all his works are true and his ways are just. And he's able to humble those who walk in pride. Do you see the difference here? This is, it's so sad that it took such extreme measures. It's so sad because he, here's the truth, he had known God, but he had not honored him. Do you see that? 
he had seen the surpassing splendor of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the maker of heaven and earth, but he still exalted himself. And it's because of that the Lord had to come in. That is the height of heresy. It's practical heresy to put yourself above him. To honor yourself above God is the worst kind of heresy. Do you see why? You're not just saying I worship a different God. You're saying I myself need to be in that position. And that's what he had done. And that's why the Lord had to, had to humble him. So here we are in our day and age. And we've got these trees in our lives. And here's the question, what are we gonna do? Are we going to honor God or are we gonna honor our trees? <laughs> See, here's the thing. Your dreams are, 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 are awesome. Your passions are really great. Your talents are super cool. And if we follow what the world's telling us, then, then, then what we're gonna do is we're gonna lift up those things and we're gonna say, that's my aim, to be that. And we're gonna, we're gonna be just like somebody on, on American Idol who's up there and going, this is my dream. And they're looking around like all shyly. My dream is to be standing in front of thousands of people who are throwing roses at me and calling my name. You guys, that's humanism. That's humanism. If your dream is higher than his dream for you, it's humanism. If you take the things that you desperately want to see and you put them up here as the highest thing instead of what he wants for you, that's humanism. And there are some uncomfortable times that we as Christians have to have, to have when we come back before him and we say, okay, listen, I've given you my heart, but I'm realizing this thing might be too important to me. And I'm, I'm going to have to do something about it. And you're going to have to ask yourself. You have to have that uncomfortable conversation with him. And it might happen often as your passions change and grow. But friends, if he is the king, then there's only one posture to take, and that's this posture. I'm not going anywhere, Lord. And I want you to be higher than me. I think of a couple of examples, even from, from in this house. Pastor Joshua Lord, bless him as he's in Cuba. He's told this story many times of how his goal, his dream was to be Bono. <laughs> he would have had a big week if that was true, wouldn't he? But he wanted to be a rock star, and that was his dream. It's all he wanted. And the Lord had to come to him and say, Joshua, I want that thing. I want that thing. But Lord, I want that thing. And he gives him that dream. And the Lord says, good, I have something else for you to do instead. Sometimes when the Lord says, give me that thing, he gives it back. And friends, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes you really give him the thing. And he says, now, come with me. Come with me as we honor God. Come with me as we make my son the highest place. And when you're in that place, you can't lose because you're with him and you're rightly ordered and you're not living in some sort of fantasy world like Nebuchadnezzar. You're not living as a 90-foot-tall, 9-foot-wide statue. 
You're living as someone who understands who the King of Kings is, is, and you understand your place, that your place is at his feet, exalting him and enjoying him forever. Paul, can you come? I want us just to take some time to look in our hearts this morning. And if there's something the Lord's calling you to give up, I just want to invite you to do something. I want, you, I want to invite you to come and kneel down here. We don't need the prayer servant team unless you want prayer servant team to be available as well. But I, I want, maybe we need to do some business with God this morning, if that's you. Just come forward, just kneel down and say, Lord, I, I, I want to meet you here again. I don't want to forget who you are. We do that. Paul's going to sing... Uh, amazing grace. And as he does this, let's just, let's, let's let him search us.